It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Well, let me step back and just say outside of this case, I mean, I've seen an awful lot of behavior by this attorney general that's concerning to me. He has no belief in federalism. He's doubling up on civil rights cases left and right for the chasing of the headline. He's targeting parents who have the temerity to challenge CRT in Virginia. Uh, and this is kind of par for the course. It's a very politicized Department of Justice. I'm sorry to say I've been around it you know, my entire professional life. I don't take any pleasure saying these things, but somehow someone needs to stand up and do the right thing in DOJ and recognize uh, that this is a, a fool's errand, that they should not have been pursuing this, mm. that it's political in nature, it's not criminal, and uh, somebody needs to step up. And if DOJ is not going to do it, we're going to do our best to get a judge to do it. All right. That was the the voice of Jim, a trustee. Jim is a former uh, Justice Department official. You've probably seen him on television a lot. And I think, you know, the surprising thing to me is that, do you have any idea how much guts it takes to represent President Trump right now? Because that's what he's doing. He has chosen to represent President Trump. He's part of the D.C., uh, you know, vortex, and yet he has chosen to do that. He was asked last night, by Sean Hannity about, you know, what the downside of that. Well, actually, it was uh, Martha McCallum he was talking to. And um, she asked him, you know, what it was like to be a lawyer for President Trump. And he responded with the clip three. Let's listen. There's there's a lot of barbs that come with this territory, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a cheap way of attacking President Trump to also attack his lawyers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I was prosecuting uh, no-body murder cases or MS-13 RICO cases or, or defending great folks like Hope Solo, I, I was kind of okay, and now suddenly I'm dumb as a stump. Uh, that's the New York Times angle. That's where they're going to go with this stuff. But we're not going to let it distract us. I mean, we've got an important job to do. A client who's in a really a historical position here in terms of stepping back and thinking about the, the bad history being made by doing this search warrant, by having an attorney general have press conferences to announce sealed documents under the guise of transparency and then holding off on the affidavit like they are, uh, you know, with their fists tightly wrapped around the, the actual evidence. So th there's so much at stake that it's a real honor to represent the president. And I'll take the barbs and slings because it's, it's important for all of us in this country to rein in a political DOJ and FBI. You know, thank God for Jim Trusty. I'm telling you, you know, like our friend John Eastman, you've heard, you've, he's been my guest several times. He was President Trump's attorney advising him on that, uh, the January 6th, the, the potential recount, the electoral college issue. And now they're after him like, like rabid dogs, you know, trying to take away his law license, trying to destroy him. And they have caused him to lose an important job. And then there's Cleta Mitchell, another uh, good friend who's an attorney who was representing Trump in various ways on the election of 2020. And so, and they're, they're after her too. And of course she had to give up her partnership in a big law firm in DC. And I, I just want you to understand how much courage 
it took for Jim Trusty to do that. He did a great job last night with Martha McCallum kind of laying it out there. And, you know, he's kind of fearless. So uh, this is what it's going to take uh, to push back uh, the left that's getting so bold. It's going to take courage beyond measure. It's like going all out, throwing all things aside and just going all out. I just read a, an article this morning quickly about analysis of University of Chicago. It was, this, it was an analysis by another student uh, saying that the reason that conservatives are losing on the campus of the University of Chicago is because they don't have courage. Conservative students don't have courage. They're not willing to pay a price. And certainly we can relate to that. Uh, Many of us, you know, God has blessed us so richly, uh, and it's hard to give up those benefits. It's hard to lay it all down. And yet uh, this is not about the—this is in relationship to—this is not directly the proclamation of the gospel. I understand that. And so there's not a direct correlation, but do you not think that on the way to professing faith or denying faith, there are moments about truth about other things upon which you must stand and pay a price in order to get you to that point where someday when you are standing and they are asking you to deny your very faith, if you have not exercised those muscles along the way of courage, uh, you will not be able to stand in that day. Anyway, so Jim Trusty, sorry, I'm giving the, my philosophical response to the news this morning, which causes me not to be able to tell you the news. Uh, But uh, so he calls out Merrick Garland pretty strongly. And incidentally, Merrick Garland just sent out a message to everyone at the Justice Department uh, ordering them to not in any way, none of them ever, ever should be talking to Congress. Uh, That comes from Mike Davis, by the way. Mike will be our guest tomorrow morning. We'll talk about all things Mar-a-Lago. But I want to just give you a couple of, of couple of highlights on it because there are there are some important news things. I just got in my inbox that the, the Department of Justice in response to some subpoena that they got or demand, legal demand, they, they've now issued a picture, a photo of all the papers and boxes they took from Mar-a-Lago. Like, I don't know what they think that's going to do, but they did. Uh, you also know now that I didn't even remember if we talked about this yesterday morning. I can't remember. The news comes in, and it comes, and it goes, and it comes like a flood. It reminds me when they, when they used to do ticker tape news. No, I know most of you don't remember that, but they'd come out over the AP, over the wire, and you could hear this ticker, 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 ticker. They would just be coming out, the papers, and we used to grab the news that way. That's what this reminds me of, <laughs> except it's in the inbox. It's in, you know, it's everywhere. It's on the television. There's just floods of information coming out constantly, and um, you have to be very careful uh, to make sure that you can put it all together and that you can decide, you know, again, uh, the position from which the writer is coming and you can discern what's true and what isn't. It's a challenge. Uh, but this this is what I want to say, if I didn't say it yesterday. The um, In Washington, D.C., of course, there's the headquarters, the FBI headquarters, which is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, that's their headquarters, and that's where Christopher Ray is. Then there's the Washington Field Office, the District of Columbia Washington field office. Every major city has an office. Chicago has an office. Los Angeles has an office of the FBI. And Washington, D.C.'s is the Washington field office. And this FBI agent that was walked out, or either he was, we don't know if he was let go, if he decided to retire early. There are various reports about it. His, his name is Timothy Tebolt. He was at least escorted out of the building, which is common when you're leaving or you're retiring. So we don't know that it was he was punished in any way. But I want to tell you some things about him that you may or may not have heard. He was 25 years at the Bureau, 
Uh, and he reportedly, according to whistleblowers, because they're the reason that he's been outed, uh, he was uh, over the Trump-Russia, or at least part of the Trump-Russia investigation. He also was part of the investigation into President Trump's 2020 campaign. And he is the one who they accuse of uh, hijacking the Hunter Biden probe. And I want to go into that in a little bit more detail here. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, Tebolt was flagged was because of his social media. So there are various sources saying this guy's a problem. It's people inside the bureau. It's people outside the bureau also. Uh, he, I'll just give you an example of something on social media that he tweeted in 2020. Now, let me give you the background briefly. FBI agents are not allowed to be political. I know that's a shock because they have been, but they're not allowed to be political. They're not allowed to... to uh, a stump for anyone. They're not allowed to campaign. Uh, they are to stay completely apolitical, and you can understand that because they are enforcers of the law to all people, and they have to be fair how they, you know, how they investigate and how they approach everything. They cannot. Uh, they, I'm surely everyone has a bias, but they have to fight against that and be neutral on these political issues. It's part of the part of what's written in their um, part of what they agree to when they join the FBI. So. Well, not so for, you know, the last few years here, there's been a break in that tradition and that regulation. Tebolt uh, retweeted in, in 2022 a Lincoln Project post. Lincoln Project is the, uh, it's the Liz Cheney uh, branch of the Republican Party who absolutely rabidly, rabidly hate Donald Trump. And they posted, uh, and Tebolt reposted, Donald Trump is a psychologically broken, embittered, and deeply unhappy Man, that's just one example. He had other things. But here's the thing. He's like, he's he's in charge of investigating the Trump uh, election, 2020 election. He's in charge of uh, in char- working on the, the Russiagate situation. And this is how he feels. Do you think he's objective? Reminds me a little bit of Peter Strzok. And by the way, speaking of Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who was having an affair with his, um, you know, co-worker, Lisa Page, and they both hated Donald Trump and they're Email back and forth has become legendary. You'd think that Peter Strzok would be embarrassed or quiet, but not really. Cash Patel was on. Cash was a former uh, um, a national security part of the national security team for the Trump administration, and he also was an attorney at the just in various ways. So um, Peter Strzok, Cash is reporting that when they redacted that. Uh, affidavit for giving the reason for their raid on Mar-a-Lago, they redacted all these names and they said the reason they did that was protect the people that had testified, you know, they didn't want people to be harassed or whatever. But the one name they didn't redact, one name they didn't redact was Cash Patel. And so uh, he was talking about on with Tucker Carlson about how difficult it had become. He had been getting threats, his family um, so Peter Strzok, who you think would be ashamed in a quiet, oh, no, 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 he t- he um, tweeted this, never great to see your unredacted name in a search warrant affidavit. To borrow from Eric Hirschman, quote, I'm going to give you the best free legal advice you've ev- you're ever getting in your life. Get a great blanking criminal defense lawyer. You're going to need it. That's Peter Strzok, the FBI special agent who was over the Russiagate um, Russia gay hearings. That's the kind of people. It's just that somehow they got into the FBI. I know how. I could tell you about that. Bruce could tell you about that, but I can't get sidetracked. Let me go on to say that now we know that uh, also this T-Bolt 
was affiliated with um, Nellie or- Bruce and Nellie Orr. This is the Justice Department. Bruce was a Justice Department official. Nellie Orr was working for Fusion GPS, who created that fake dossier. Nellie is a Russian expert. And some, for some reason, the T-Bolt, the uh, FBI agent who just uh, stepped down um, because of all the reasons we've just been giving you, had traveled overseas to them, to Prague, with uh, the Oars. Now, what was that all about, one might ask. So um, he's also, I want to give you one other word about him. This is a different subject, but you will remember that uh, based on the Justice Department's description, you and I are now all domestic violent extremists because we believe the 2020 election was not fair, that it was stolen from President Trump. We are the suspects. We are the greatest threat, according to the Justice Department. And it was Tebold who pressured agents to categorize cases as domestic violent extremism in an effort to bolster the case numbers, which could then provide the narrative for the Justice Department that we are the number one threat. We are the greatest threat to the United States of America. So uh, I think that's all I have to tell you about that. Oh, one other thing. These FBI whistleblowers are saying that uh, Christopher Wray has lost the confidence of FBI agents. And I, I just, I'm reading things this morning that actually, honestly make me very sad because my husband, Bruce, loved the FBI so much. And so, so many of those guys went in with complete devotion to uh, protecting and defending the Constitution, uh, to uh, preserving law, to, uh, you know, get, exacting justice. Uh, the FBI was the gold standard for law enforcement. Uh, you just ask anyone, ask Dan Bongino with the Secret Service. <laughs> well, there's an old joke that says, what do Secret Service agents and FBI agents have in common? And the, the, the punchline is they 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 all uh, wanted to be in the FBI. And that's really true. Uh, the FBI was the gold standard. You had to have uh, very special qualifications. You had to have advanced degrees, uh, practical experience. They had the creme de la creme, but no more. And because of that, it looks like the FBI is imploding. And that's what I'm reading a lot of headlines this morning. And it's a sad day at our house, I have to tell you. Uh, A very sad day. I'm not saying it is imploding. I'm not announcing to you that they are disbanding. I'm just telling you things are not going well. Uh, Things shouldn't go well. They should be completely, if it's going to be saved, it has to be gutted and restructured. And that can't happen under this president because he's um, not trustworthy. He is, uh, to me, an enemy of the people. Nancy Pelosi thinks, of course, that we are the enemy of the people. I think the current administration and the people surrounding this president are the enemy of the Constitution and the people that love it. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45- Bible. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Eva Malona, Assistant Secretary for Partnership and Engagement at the Department of Homeland Security. She advises on the impact of policies, regulations, processes, and actions on a variety of governments and non-government organizations. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of listening to wise advice. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Eva Malona in her work for Homeland Security. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. A minor league baseball team in Colorado Springs has caused all sorts of problems after they canceled a family night celebration at the ballpark. The Rocky Mountain Vibes had originally invited Save the Storks and Pikes Peak Citizens for Life to sponsor family night and sell tickets, which they did over 3,000. But the baseball team pulled the plug just hours before the first pitch. They also canceled a performance featuring a Christian singer and his 12-year-old son. Real classy, these folks. The baseball team said the pro-lifers and pro-family groups would hinder their mission to provide fun and family entertainment. Well, that explanation is not going over very well. And now many baseball fans are calling for a boycott of the Rocky Mountain vibes. It's not so much that the baseball team hit a foul ball with pro-lifers. They struck out. Bad vibes all around. I'm Todd Stearns. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Last week, the day after the raid on the president's home, uh, FBI agents showed up when I was traveling with my family, my wife and our, our two small children, my in-laws, extended family showed up and demanded uh, my cell phone. They said they were going to image it. They were not going to search it. And uh, and then they eventually did return it. But Maria, what I think this is about is uh, intimidating anyone who refuses to bend the knee to the narrative. And, uh, and, you know, I don't know exactly what your questions are going to be, but uh, there's been no accountability. James Comey, the director of the FBI, used uh, classified information improperly to get a, a second special counsel. No, no, no accountability for that. Uh, the uh, chairman of the Intel Committee changed the president's speech and entered it into the record, created a, 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 an impeachment trial. Again, no accountability. You name it across the board, whether it's John Eastman, whether it's Scott Perry, whether it's President Trump. And with uh, uh, passing a bill that will pay for hiring of 87,000 IRS agents, tyranny is going to come right into everyone's living room very, very shortly. They said, do you have any questions? I said, yes. How do you how did you find me? Of course, I already know the answer, but I wanted them to admit it. 
And the gentleman, uh, uh, the agent, had a smirk on his face. He said, that's what we do. But, Maria, when I asked him to return the phone by contacting my chief of staff instead of bothering my family, um, they, didn't, they didn't honor that. They said they would. They didn't do that. And then when I asked him why he couldn't honor his commitment, he said, we couldn't find her. All right. That's the voice of Congressman Scott Perry, who is now the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. But um, before I introduce him in person here, let me just tell you that Scott is a combat veteran and represented uh, the 4th District of Pennsylvania uh, in, you know, in the military. He also serves on the U.S. House Committees on Transportation and Infrastructure and Foreign Affairs. His final military position was Assistant Adjutant General of the Pennsylvania National Guard. He also retired at the rank of Brigadier General in March of 2019, 40 years in the uniform. Uh, he has his uh, master's degree in strategic studies from the U.S. Army War College. I wanted to say all those things, Congressman, because I do think that uh, when on the good men like yourself, they downplay who you really are. And I wanted people to know uh, the kind of man now that's fighting back with what's happening in Washington. So with that, thank you for joining me. It's good, good to have you with us this morning. Well, Sandy, it's great to be with you. And of course, I don't think of anything in those terms. I mean, I'm a man who follows God, loves his country, and wants to take care of his family and his community. And that's, you know, and those to me are the things that I'm about and have been about my my whole life. Um, and, you know, what you do in, in that context is kind of transit. So right now, I'm fighting it out in the in the halls of the United States Congress on the behalf of 760,000 South Central Pennsylvanians who are very concerned about the direction of our country, and uh, they don't, you know, they can't afford the the gas prices, they can't afford the food prices, and that's if they can find what they want at the grocery store. They're having to make decisions in America that they don't understand. We have a government uh, from top to bottom that is out of control, and of course. Uh, what we've been watching lately with this, uh, well, not, it's not really lately, right? It's been going on for a couple of years. I've asked people what will it take for them to, to believe this is actually occurring is, is the misuse and abuse of the awesome power of the federal government in the way of the Justice Department and, and intimidating people. People in America now live in fear of their government, whether it's the local codes enforcement officer, whether it's the IRS, and unfortunately now, whether it's the Department of Justice and the once revered Federal Bureau of Investigation, they see two standards, one for the elites and one for those well-connected, and then another one for all the rest of us. And, you know, we can be canceled, we can have our lives destroyed, we can even be sent to prison and and no one checks on you no one cares and uh and everybody's afraid to say anything that that's something that you read about in a book in in grade school from some other totalitarian nation that you think well thank the good lord i live in america that's never going to happen here yet it's happening here right in front of our eyes over and over and over again and i do wonder for some of my neighbors uh, you know not only in my community but across the country what will it take for them to finally believe this is happening and then do something about it? Well, I'm with you completely. We talk about it every morning, Congressman. Um, I, you know, for when I, as I've watched Congress, you know, um, this last few years, I think there was a definite pivot toward disrespect and worse than disrespect than really attack. And that was after um, COVID, first of all, 
when Nancy Pelosi, you know, uh, issued those uh, incredible restrictions on the House floor and then started punishing people like uh, Congressman Gomert, uh, yeah, Gomert and probably you too, uh, about, you know, not passing the metal detector. I'm just trying to give an example. And then it right. progressed to you are deplorables, and now it's progressed to you guys are the enemies of the state working within the Capitol. It's really accelerated. It's pretty amazing. And then now, for the FBI to come and seize your phone, you are a leader in the in the in the House of Representatives. You are over them technically, and the hubris and, like you said, the arrogance of what they did. I love. I want to ask you just a couple of questions about the practical thing that happened. Did they present to you a subpoena? I wasn't clear about that. <laughs> no, they. Uh, well, eventually, uh, when they when they requested the phone, you know, I, I actually had it in my hand at the moment, and I put it in my pocket. Uh, and I said, well, you're going to have to show me something before, uh, before I hand anything to you. And, uh, that's when they handed me the paperwork, which, which appeared to me, I'm not an attorney, appeared to me a correctly, uh, uh, correctly completed warrant for the phone or for essentially whatever they wanted. So, you know, look, we're, we're law abiding people. We respect law enforcement, even if we think it's, there's an injustice, but, where there's a process for that, so you know, so I complied, and uh, and you know, now we'll continue the fight. But Sandy, the I think the more important thing is, is look, I, I'm nobody special. I'm, yeah, I'm a member of Congress, but this can happen to any single person on the planet, and and the feeling of helplessness um, is is very strong, and the fear is very strong, and you can imagine. Um, people's reputations being destroyed, the neighbors looking, wondering what it's all about. In my instance, you know, look, we're, we're at a rental property property down at the beach. My family all pitches in because it's expensive to go, and we were able to afford a, a home there, you know, for a week with the kids and the grand folks and parents and the aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff, and just try and unplug from all this insanity for a few days. And, uh, you know, they come and you know, they they could have done this quite honestly at my home. More importantly, they know I have an attorney because of the so-called J6 committee. They could have just called my attorney and said, look, we need to uh, look at Representative Perry's phone. You know, we would have complied then just like we complied when they showed up at the doorstep. It's the same thing with, uh, uh, with so many others that have been held up at restaurants or dragged out of the lawn in the yeah. wee hours of the morning airports. in their underwear, airports. Yeah, you yeah. name it. I mean, yeah. This is all for this is all to intimidate uh, anybody into uh, it, it, you know they, they don't want any dissension they don't want any discussion you're going to bend the knee you're going to comply or else and they have the instruments of, of the awesome power of the federal government at the at their disposal but this is an abuse I mean you know I'm they said I'm not a target of an investigation. Well then, why why do it this way, and why make such a public spectacle? Well, there's a reason for that, Sandy. The reason is is that they want to send a message to everybody, and the message is is that you're going to bend the knee, you're going to comply, and if you don't think it, we'll do it to you. We'll do it to this guy here, who's you know who has some additional protections called speech and debate that they're outlined in the Constitution that says that the king or the executive, but it seems like a king in this case cannot try and intimidate members of the legislature for speaking on behalf of their cons- their constituents, their bosses, or voting on behalf of their bosses. And that's exactly what this is. I mean, I, 
I introduced articles of impeachment on Merrick Garland when it was determined that that he uh, issued uh, the the um, the uh, the information to uh, for the FBI to issue threat tags on parents who attended school board meetings who had the temerity to question their children's education, the very education that they're forced to pay for in their taxes. Uh, that, that, that's just, that's a horrific abuse of power by the attorney general. And, and so I offered articles of impeachment and this is the, uh, this is their response. This yes. is, this is how, this is how this is going to be treated. All right. And, but you are responding, you're actually suing. Are you suing the, who are you suing? Well, it's, it's essentially the FBI and the department of justice. They have imaged the phone. They said, that they haven't looked into it, I, I I have a hard time believing that. But yeah. they want the official, they want the official approval to do it. A judge has agreed with us so far that they do not have the approval to do it, and we're not going to give it to them. We might have to fight to not give it to them, but we're certainly not handing that to them. There's there's information from you know conversations with me and my constituents, certainly me and my family, and me and my colleagues about things that I vote on that the executive branch might not appreciate. I guarantee you. There are things on that phone about discussions about uh, the potential, uh, at that time, future student loan forgiveness program that uh, that we were afraid that the president was going to enact. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they would love to see those conversations and who said what and, and what positions they took so that they can then punish and intimidate those people as well. That's why we're not granting them any permission and we're fighting them tooth and nail on this. Yeah, let me let me let's dig into that a little bit more because uh, I did introduce you as the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and I talk about the Freedom Caucus a lot, Congressman, because I uh, you guys are the fighters, and I thank God for you. What would we do without you guys? And I also understand that you're doing a lot of things that we never hear about because the pre- even Fox are not they're not the friends of the Freedom Caucus now. <laughs> Thanks yeah, goodness uh, for Maria Bartiroma and a few isolated people, but basically Fox's establishment all down the line. Uh, and right. so you're not getting air cover for the kinds of things that the Freedom Caucus is doing, but you are the heart of the opposition in the House. And so when they seized your phone, they actually seized a proprietary information about the inner workings of the Freedom Caucus because you are the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Sure. Um, talk to us about that, um, the speech and debate clause issue again. Explain that to us again, if you could. That's the sure. pro- that's the uh, the issue over which you are demanding that the FBI cease whatever it is they're doing with your phone. Yeah, sure. Well, there's a there's attorney-client privilege, which is what you have when you speak to an attorney. And of course, those are supposed to be held sacrosanct and, and private between you and your attorney so you could defend yourself and that the prosecution can't get a hold of that and see what your defense might be or that type of thing. And, and it's uh, speech and debate is, is not the same, but it's particular for members of the legislature. And it goes to the idea of the separation of powers, that there is a reason to separate the powers because each one is supposed to check the other. And in this instance, um, well, in all instances, the legislature is supposed to be separate from the executive branch so that it can do its work without fear of reprisal without without the uh, the fear of of pressure or censorship or or retribution for the things that they say and the things that they do. So each member of Congress, all 435, and of course senators as well, the hundred of them speak on behalf of their constituents, their bosses, and in some cases uh, they have those conversations over the telephone. But all of it is 
protected under under what's called speech and debate. So if you came out and said, you know, I'm going to issue articles of impeachment on on President Biden because I think he did this or did do that, or was derelict in his duty and upholding the law on the southern border, what have you. Um, if the president and the executive branch can then punish you for for that rhetoric, for that speech, or more, or, or, or as important, if not more important, for the vote on it. If they can coerce members to not vote for that, so that um, so that there won't be an impeachment, then that's going to be a failure of that separation of powers and the the awesome power of oversight that the branches have over one another to keep everybody honest. And that's exactly what's occurring right now. The Biden administration, president and his DOJ and FBI seek to uh, coerce and intimidate members of Congress who speak out against their actions. And just imagine, Sandy, you know that people, even in your own listening audience, they whisper to one another about certain things. They don't want to say, well, we can't say that anymore in public and so on and so forth. Imagine uh, the intimidation factor when members of when their representatives in Congress feel the same way and not only not only don't even whisper, but don't say anything to each other on the phone and don't say anything in the public square on the House floor about the things that are concerning them on behalf of, of their constituents, their bosses, the people we serve. Then we do then we we truly do have a kingdom then when only the king has, has, has any of the authority or any of the power. It's exactly why this was set up this way, because the founding fathers knew that there was going to be right criticisms and that the people being criticized would try and end it as soon as they could. And that's what you're seeing right now. It is, it is unprecedented. Let me just interject a quick uh, reference. This right after President Trump was elected, you know, he appointed an election integrity uh, organization. And Chris Kobach, uh, uh, Jay Christian Adams, Hans von Spakovsky and others were appointed to that. And immediately the Justice Department began harassing them to death, not allowing them. They couldn't even communicate with each other. They were blocked at every level. And so finally they had to disband. So it's the same, but different. And this is the way the deep, this is the way the, the deep state works. This is the way uh, what's happened in DC that's developed over these centuries, this repulsive thing that the founding fathers never had in mind and tried to prevent is happening right now to us. Um, I want to talk to you just a little bit about what uh, one of the thing. One of your other members, Marjorie Taylor Greene, was what they, some SWAT team was sent to her house twice, like in twenty four hours. Now I don't know if there's any correlation. I'm sure there's probably no way to make that correlation, but it is really an all out assault on those of you in Congress who are opposing this administration. Would you not agree? No, I absolutely would agree, and that's a very very dangerous situation as. As I heard Marjorie describe it, you know, being awakened in the middle of the night, the police think they're coming to a circumstance where an individual is holding someone hostage or something worse. Um, and so that's what their their mindset is. And, and, and of course, the homeowner has no idea what's happening in the middle of the night when there's banging on the door and yelling and opening the doors to, to, to officers or maybe just individuals with weapons drawn. I mean, that's a that's a that, that's a pressure cooker right there that is 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 set to blow at a moment. It, it, all it takes is one false move from somebody, and somebody could get hurt or worse. And of course, this has happened multiple times now to Marjorie, and and I think that they do hope that um, that something bad happens to uh, Congressman Gr- Taylor Green. And I do think that they that they the people that do this hope that 
that uh, people that are supporters of her, people that like her, people that are like her uh, or generally oppose the administrative tactics, uh, the administration's tactics will lash out and then, you know, and, and then, and then uh, be seen as, as responding too, uh, too hysterically or too stridently and then be punished for that. That's, you know, that's what we, that's what's going on here. It is a very, very tenuous situation where, Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of middle ground, and we we see these uh, these kind of threats. They're very creative, but they're very dangerous and dangerous and incendiary. And to me, I mean, with all the power that the federal government has, if they can't find the people that are doing this to Marjorie Taylor Greene, I got to tell you, uh, I really have a lot of questions. We have the ultimate respect for the agents in the field and the folks down in the trenches. We think the rod is at the top, but if they can't seem to find who would uh, who would per- per- perpetrate this on uh, Congressman Taylor Green, we're going to be skeptical that they tried very hard, quite honestly, or that uh, they were told to you know shut down that that investigation because it you know I don't know who would be linked to or who would do something like that, but um, I-, I don't see how you get away with something in that day and age, in this day and age. Yeah, they find everything else. That's for sure. Let me just say. Um, uh, to my audience right now, uh, th- these are really difficult times, and it's so tempting to unplug and go about our business, but we cannot unplug as long as we have people like Congressman Perry, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, fighting under attack. We cannot desert the field, and so I'm just saying to you, uh, do not desert the field. Uh, stay in there. And the left wants to discourage us. That's part of their method. They want us to become depressed and feel like it's the, what's the use, and that's the method that they use. They use it in wars, don't they, Congressman? Yes, they do. It's psychological operations. Uh, you know, your your will can uh, be strong even if your uh, the, the instruments that you have to fight are, are weak and you can still win. But they know once you break you, someone's will, even if they have all the necessary items to be victorious without that will, they will not be. And so the left is very astute at this and they never, ever stop. So we just have to, we absolutely have to remain vigilant. And, uh, and the, the choices before us is to fight or not fight. That's really what it is. And we yes. simply cannot choose to not fight. Congressman, I'm sorry, let me just ask you, I would love to talk to you about the student loan and a few other things, January 6th also, but I don't want to, I would love to have more time with you. Do, do you have more time, or, or should I just, we? I have just a little bit more time. If you want to get cover some of that now, we can. All, all right, we'll go, guys. We'll go just a few more minutes on this break. Then um, let me ask you about. Okay, you you said they looked into your phone, and the student loan thing was in the works at the time. Uh, and uh, you think that that's part of why they probably well, that's very well, small in comparison to pro- what what they were really trying to do. But the White House has just extended. Uh, student loan payments and forgiven a ton of debt, and I, we really do know what you think about that. We want to know what yeah, you that, think about that. That was just a, an example of what might be on the phone: legislative discussions with colleagues and positions, opinions, those type of things, which need to be shielded from the executive branch. But of course, it's a, look, it's a slap in the face, obviously, to everybody that did the right thing, that everybody to everybody that knew what the what they were getting into. I think uh, Judge. Justice Scalia has said it most properly, and, and I'm probably going to screw this quote up a little bit, but essentially when a charity becomes a legal entitlement, um, it seems like 
um, we are turning um, uh, the the people that give into uh, people without love, and the people that re- receive are people without gratitude. Um, of course, you know. Then there's the so so we got that, but th- then there's the whole lawlessness of the Biden administration just taking a piece of well-meaning legislation that has absolutely nothing to do with this, and 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 transforming it and into into something that it was never intended to be. And I'm sure that there will be court challenges at some point, but even the Biden administration knows this. I mean, by the time that happens, this money will all be out the door. It'll be gone, and 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 they'll have curried favor with the voting bloc that they wish to curry favor to, and they'll be out messaging, you know, this great thing that they did. Look, the, the, the you know, there's no accountability for the folks that signed on the loan who you know, who, who, who took that responsibility or not paying. There's no accountability for the, the institutions of higher learning that charge exorbitant prices for educations that don't provide meaningful work after the fact. There's the, the accountability is all coming to the American people, uh, the hardworking taxpayer in the form of higher taxes or in the form of a higher cost of living due to inflation. Everything's going to cost more. And, and of course, the the peril that it puts our nation in as we as we just continue to rack up unsustainable debt for future generations and the current generation. I mean, um, you know, this this is just as literally as bad as it gets. And this is the consequence of an election where we tried our hardest, but uh, somehow didn't come through. And, uh, and, and these are the policies that we're going to continue to get. And while they speak out of one side out of their mouth and say they would never do it or they're, they're not authorized to do it, you can see that that's meaningless, which means, among other things, that Congress really needs to tighten up all this legislation. Unfortunately, you just simply cannot trust the other party to do the right thing. And so there's really a reason why government needs to be limited, because if it's not limited, these are the unlimited kind of things that it does. Okay, Congressman, it's so nice to have this much time with you, and I hope we can do this again soon. You guys can roll the music. Uh, I really do appreciate your service. And you know what? I just, uh, I remember interviewing you when you first came into Congress. You don't have to remember this, but I do. And uh, it's just actually wonderful to me to see you just blossoming with all the experience that you've had in government and the military. Um, it's you, You've become a great leader. And so thank you for that. And I wish you well in your upcoming race. And hopefully we can talk again before that uh, election in Pennsylvania because we didn't get to that issue. And I'd love to have yeah. done that, but we'll do that next time, okay? Okay, I sure appreciate it. Thanks so much yeah. for the opportunity, Sandy. God bless you and your audience. Yeah, God bless you too, Congressman. Thanks for joining us. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. This is Frank Gaffney, host of Securing America, a program dedicated to protecting the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to the glory of God and His kingdom. Each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, we provide insights and recommendations about the most important challenges facing our nation from her most thoughtful experts and patriots. Join me to learn how you can help in Securing America right here at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. When you hear this, 
This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65 AD, while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, marked by the increased anti-Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 AD, Paul directed Timothy to his speech and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments, and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called, and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over-limit charges, and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills into one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt-free for keeps. Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here, write this down and call 1-800-788-1813. Can you repeat that? 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. On the occasion of Mikhail Gorbachev's death, he is being credited for allowing the Soviet Union and its evil empire to unravel peaceably. In fact, thanks to Ronald Reagan, as a practical matter, he had little choice. To be sure, the Soviet army still had many weapons with which to kill and oppress, but thanks to President Reagan's determination to roll back the USSR, something he pledged to do in the 1980 campaign, and then accomplished with a comprehensive strategy aimed at bankrupting the Kremlin's communist system, Gorbachev was reduced to presiding over a national Chapter 11. We'll be unable to achieve a similar victory over the Soviet Union's successor as what Ronald Reagan would call our time's existential threat to freedom, namely the Chinese Communist Party. As long as we persist in underwriting and otherwise propping it up via engagement. This is Frank Allen. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Um, an important story that you may not hear other places, so I'm going to tell this one this morning. Pierre Corey, Dr. Pierre Corey, who distinguished himself in the fight against the COVID protocols and the truth about COVID and the the need for ivermectin and the hor- the horribleness of uh, giving people remdesivir and all the other kinds of drugs and the ventilators and all of that, Pierre Corey, he tweeted this just yesterday. 
Unclear how much longer I will be alive here, but will be keep tweeting truth until I am twitassinated. In other words, assassinated. He's talking about on Twitter. Another data point of thousands screaming from many countries and industries. Life insurance, disability, CDC data, child coffin sales. How long can a Holocaust be suppressed? And he included with that um, a clip, an audio clip, of a Tasmanian funeral director. And um, I just want you to listen to it because he speaks uh, good English. And let's listen to ha- what's happening from this funeral director's perspective in Tasmania. One of the reasons we talk- want to talk to you is I think your partner said you used to do two to three funerals a week. Now you're doing s- about six to seven. Is that correct? Yes, we've been that busy, Michael. The last little while, even this morning, I didn't know you were coming to town, but this morning um, I've counted the numbers in the book, you know, for the past six months. And exactly, almost exactly, we're up in the last six months by 50%. Um, so that's, that's why we've been so busy. And uh, I was very concerned because on Tuesday of this week, a very, very special school friend who I sat next to for five years. We had his funeral service on Tuesday. He was born in 1955. I'm seeing lots of people dying that are born in the 60s uh, and beyond. So it's not just the elderly. And And when you feel that something's not quite right, you'll see a death notice. We may not be the funeral directors. But I think, hang on, that person is normally a super fit person. And I've had a few instances happen in the last six months where it has been quite startling that they would actually pass away. How are they passing away? Is it like slow or quick? What are they they dying of? Well, it seems that some are dying in their sleep. Uh, There's been two or three that I know that have had... um, This is not necessarily my funeral company, but there's this particular one I was thinking of, the super fit person. She died of a a brain aneurysm, and I've noticed there's been two or three of those around the the northern part of Tasmania. So there's something that's not not quite right. It just doesn't feel right to me, and I I just can't put my finger on it right now. But it it seems to have happened very suddenly, because you can imagine um, we we need to pre-plan with sort of staffing, um, with our premises and it's only been the last say seven months uh, the previous ten, ten and a quarter years were very very consistent but this has been a rapid rise in the last six to seven months so um, we are we're, we're quite concerned. What he's saying is there's been a 50% increase in funerals in his particular funeral home in the last seven months. That's basically what he said. And we'll, we'll put that clip on our Facebook page. Because, uh, Facebook, uh, old habits are hard to break. On our Getter page so that you can share that. And I want to share something else with you. Uh, the Epoch Times, who I recommend to you all the time as one of the best sources of information, and you can all access it. And I think they, maybe they have a charge. I think it's a dollar a month, maybe something like that. So it's affordable. And, it's a, and while they can still speak... And while you can still get it, you should get it. It's Epoch Times. And no, I don't get any. I get no reward for that. Uh, but uh, this is what they wrote this morning. And I, boy, I related to this. Um, I guess this came out uh, two days ago. It's truly unreal. Stories of negligence at the hand of COVID-19 hospital treatment protocols continue to surface. And here's one. This is uh, from a, a couple in Washington State, no, Oregon. Uh, Everly is their name. 
Joanne and her husband Greg. Greg was admitted to the hospital on September 22nd of 2021. The wife was not allowed to stay with her husband, so she continued stayed in communication through text. We thought he was getting better until Greg reported that he hadn't been receiving hydration for a week. I think they're stopping taking care of me, Greg texted her. Ierly called the doctor, asking for basic fluids and vitamin D, C, and zinc treatment for Greg. The doctor yelled at me, saying, I don't know what research you're looking at, but we're not doing that. That's not what we do. Greg texted her that he was losing body mass rapidly and that he wasn't being fed. Please help make sure there's a plan to get me out of here, Greg texted. Throughout his stay, Greg reported that he was seeing less and less medical staff. Ierly said she was getting fewer updates on his condition. Finally, Greg made a 39-second call to the Tualatian Police Department, but the department has no record of the call, they say. On October 1st, the staff called to tell her that Greg needed protein. Since there were no protein drinks in the ICU, now go figure this one. Ierly, they told her, needed to go out and get one for him, she said. So she took it to the front entrance, but the National Guard was there, and they would not let her in, and she had to leave it at the front desk. And when she got home, they said there had been an emergency and that Greg needed to be ventilated immediately. Later, she spoke with a doctor who ventilated Greg, and he reported to her that Greg was in no way close to death. His lungs just needed a break. On October the 5th, though, the staff reported to her that the ventilator had stopped working and that she and her children needed to come and see him. They came. They watched him take his final breath. Uh, Her 21-year-old daughter was so distraught, she had to be taken out of the hospital in a wheelchair And after they were leaving, he passed on October the 5th. Ierly said a hospital staff member yelled at them to get vaccinated. And this is just one report. I just gave you a little sketch of that. I was reading, skipping around. Uh, It was documented that he was not fed, uh, that he was not treated properly. He had not been vaccinated. And there are other stories of how people who are not vaccinated were treated in the hospitals. I recommend this article. We'll put it on our Getter page. It's Truly Unreal Stories of Negligence at the hand of COVID-19 hospital treatment protocols. Well, this is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.